I love that video, though, because it's a day in the life video, and I love day in the life videos. It gives you a glimpse into someone's life, and I want to show you guys a day in the life video here in just a minute, but first I want to tell you about my former life. Uh, I used to work as a news reporter for a local television station. Does anyone here watch local TV news? One person? Yeah, that's why I got out of the business, because no one watches local TV news. But I showed this video uh, a few years ago at a night of worship that I spoke at, and our friend Alex Crony was there, and he told me a couple weeks ago, he's like, that was the funniest, craziest video I've ever seen. So I figured we were due to watch it again. And what this is is just a minute or so clip of a glimpse into some of the crazy people that I interacted with on a daily basis. So take a look. But it's drug dealers in here, crackheads, whores, you name it, we got it. You know, I got a big shot, you know what I mean? Right here, y'all want to see it, you know what I'm saying? Just what happened to me, you know what I'm saying? I got hit real bad, you know what I'm saying? But I'm still good, you know what I'm saying? But this, you know what I mean? It got to stop, you know what I mean? Either you going to be in jail or, or whatever. But, you know, the police don't care, so this will happen down here, you know? It's racial actions, what were some of those racial actions? Get out of my face, man. Bye. You're not allowed to touch me, by the way. Are you not allowed to be filming me? Bye. Yeah, yeah, it's public property. So yeah, that's another reason why I got out. Just getting cussed at all the time. Uh, my, that second guy was my favorite. You know, gunshot victim. I go to interview him. He just drops trow in the middle of the interview. You want to see it? Yeah, sure. God's going to get us right, though, right? You know what I'm saying? He's actually preaching next no November at the night of worship, so be sure to come back for that. Um, but yeah, so I love that video because it's a good example of what my former life looked like when I worked in that job. And uh, I showed you that video just to set up this story that we would travel all across uh, the region just telling different stories and uh, obviously talking to, to crazy people. And so we had to drive a lot. We had to travel a lot. And uh, the vehicle that they had given me was a Jeep Patriot. It was like a 2001 really old Jeep Patriot. Does anyone here drive a Jeep Patriot? Because I think they pulled them all off the road because they're horrible cars. They would overheat any time you would drive them over 55 miles per hour. And so I would get on the highway, get on the freeway, I'd get up to 55 miles per hour, and it would just stall out. That's as far as it would go. It's as fast as it would go. And if you know on I-40, you're driving 55 miles per hour, you just get eaten alive out there. But I remember constantly going to the guy in charge of the vehicles and telling him, yo, this vehicle is not good. It can't go over 55 miles per hour. It always overheats. The check engine light comes on constantly. And his response every time was, it's a car malfunction. Nothing can be done. You'll just have to deal with it. And I tell you that story because sometimes in life, that's how I feel. I feel like something is wrong with me. I feel burned out. I feel capped out. I feel overheated. I feel off. But I don't know why or what is causing it. Instead of looking under the hood and doing a diagnosis of my soul, I tell myself, that's just who I am. It's a malfunction. Nothing can be done. I'll just have to deal with it. And so I often spend my life driving at 55 miles per hour, limiting myself and not looking underneath the hood when something's wrong and doing a diagnosis of my soul and allowing God to get in there and heal what's broken inside of me. 
And what I found is that God wants freedom for us. He wants us to drive at 77 miles per hour, just seven miles per hour in cruise control over the speed limit. He wants us to live in that freedom. Anyone else? Eight, nine miles per hour maybe? But does anyone else feel that way? Maybe you feel like you're in a perpetual state of anxiety, overexhaustion. Maybe for you, you just feel like something is off, something isn't right, but you can't quite put your finger on it. You can't quite put language into what's going on in your soul, what's wrong with you, so you ignore it. Maybe for you, you're pretty in tune with your feelings and emotions, and you just use things to medicate or to, to cope with it. Addictions, like what Chase talked about this weekend, whether that be overeating, porn, alcohol, whatever. You use that to feel better or cope with the emotions, with the feelings you're dealing with. Maybe for you, you have this deep sense of shame around your emotions, around how you feel, especially in a world that tells us we need to be stronger than we are. We just need to get over our fears and our feelings. Well, all of this deals with emotional health, and all of this deals with the brokenness inside of us and our tendency to fail to get to the root of what's wrong. But God is extending a hand to us. He wants to come in and heal what's broken inside of us. He wants us to have peace. He wants us to have freedom. He doesn't want us to be controlled by our emotions, but he wants us to have freedom for them and express them in a healthy way. Chase talked about this weekend how our emotions are often God's way of communicating with us. It's his way of showing us that something is wrong, something is off. Will you come to me, someone who can heal and restore you? Will you allow me to fix what's broken inside of you? And will you depend on me to do that instead of trusting on yourself? And so during this talk tonight, I'm just going to talk about the idea of emotional health. What it is, how God views it, and some practical steps you can take to improve your emotional health. So first, what is emotional health? Basically, it's how we are feeling internally on a day-to-day basis. It's how we respond, how we react to our environment, to our relationships, to how people treat us. It's what makes up this, this idea of wholeness because along with emotional health, it's connected to physical health, to mental health, to relational health. It's what we've been talking about this whole semester with wholeness. It's what Matt talked about a couple months ago when he shared 1 Thessalonians 5.23. It reads, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so we see in this verse that our spirit, our soul, our body are all connected, and God created us to be that way. They're all interdependent on each other. They all respond to each other in different ways. And we also see that there's something that needs to be preserved. They need to be taken care of. They need our attention. That means that we should pay attention to what's going on inside of us, the emotions that we feel. We need to take care of them. And we should pay attention to these things because they play such a big role in our lives. There's a book uh, I've been reading. It's called Cry of the Soul. It's by two authors. It's Dan Allender and Dr. Temper Longman III. That's a good name right there. And the book, it's called Cry of the Soul, and they, they call emotions a cry of the soul, original book name. But that means what is going on in the deepest parts of our soul is being expressed by how we feel and how we act. What's going on in our soul influences how we feel, our thoughts, our passions, our desires, our actions. And what these authors show us and what we'll later see in Scripture is God wants us to express our emotions, how we're feeling, in a healthy way rather than being controlled by them. And so real talk for men in the room, like this is difficult for us. We're taught to be strong, to keep it all together, to not be emotional, to not wear our emotions on our sleeve. But another author I've been reading is a guy named Jason Wilson, and he talks about this idea that emotions are often like ping pong balls that are pressed underwater. 
like if you push them underwater, they might stay down for a little bit, but they're often going to spring up uncontrollably and unexpectedly. And this is often how we process and release our emotions. A lot of us in our life have experienced pain and trauma. And when we feel emotions, when we have a negative occasion, then often that emotional pain and trauma manifests and it comes out in negative ways like a ping pong ball, uncontrollably and unexpectedly. And we often project that emotional pain and trauma onto others through the form of control, aggression, anger, sometimes violence. Sometimes we'll even project that emotional pain and trauma onto ourselves through destructive, addictive behaviors. So I play in a uh, flag football league uh, every Tuesday night. My wife would say, that's my addiction. And uh, some people take it way too seriously, probably myself included. And uh, you know, there was, there was one, one Tuesday night, uh, probably about a year ago, where it was a really close game. And uh, I was kind of getting into it with the referee. There were some calls that didn't go our way. And I was kind of yelling at him. I was uh, criticizing him. And when the game was over, when the heat of competition had wound down, uh, I, I asked myself, I was like, who was that guy? Like, who was that person who was so angry, was so competitive? Like, where did those emotions come from? And my first thought afterward was to ignore it. I could have chalked it up to, oh, that's just, you know, I get a temper when I get competitive. That's normal. You know, that happens to everyone. But it was bugging me for a few days and a few weeks after that, and I feel like that was God asking me to dig into some of the emotions that I was feeling. It was a check engine light that I needed to pay attention. It was something inside of me that I'd pushed down and that I needed to address and examine. What I found out was some of it was just some insecurities that I had, a need to be in control, just some anger, some things that were brewing inside of me that God was wanting me to address. In that same book that we talked about earlier, Cry of the Soul, they talk about this. They have this quote that says, ignoring our emotions is turning back on reality. Listening to our emotions ushers us into reality, and reality is where we meet God. Emotions are the language of the soul. They are the cry that gives the heart a voice. And so that leads me into my bottom line tonight, which is this. The quality of your life is determined by the quality of care you put towards your mental or your emotional health. The quality of your life is determined by the quality of care you put towards your emotional health. See, God is inviting us in to express and deal with our emotions rather than to be controlled by them. God has given us the space to feel, to hurt, to express our pain, our loss, our anger, our heartbreak, even our joy and our praise. And we see this so clearly in David from the Psalms. If you have your Bible, you can turn with me to Psalm 6. We'll have it up on the screen. But I want you to see just how in tune David was to some of the emotions, some of the feelings that he was experienced, and then bring them to the Father in prayer. Start in verse 3. It says, My soul is in anguish. How long, O Lord? How long? Turn, O Lord, and deliver me. Save me because of your unfailing love. No one remembers you when he is dead. Who praises you from the grave? I am worn out from groaning all night long. I flood my bed with weeping and drench my couch with tears. My eyes grow weak with sorrow. They fail because of all my foes. Those are the words of a man who's struggling. That's a guy who's feeling the weight of life. He's feeling heartbreak, isolation, disappointment, rejection. And he doesn't push those things down. He brings them in front of the Father. 
And what I love about that verse is that it gives us permission to feel and express those things to God. God isn't disappointed by how David is feeling. He welcomes his vulnerability and his honesty. And it's comforting to see that David, a man after God's own heart, is so in tune with how he is feeling, and he's able to bring those to the Father, knowing that God and God alone can heal some of those things and bring life from them. So realistically, what does that look like for us in our daily lives? When the check engine light comes on, when a ping pong ball comes to the surface, or we feel maxed out at 55 miles per hour, what do we do? Let me give you three things. The first, we start with our body. So since our body, soul, and mind are all connected, our bodies play a big role in how we feel and the emotions we experience. There's another book, Trisofter. It's by a woman named Andy Kolber. And she writes, Jesus chose to sacrifice his body so that we can honor and pay compassionate attention to ours. And she says paying compassionate attention to our body just starts with the basics. She asks, are you sleeping enough? Are you getting enough rest? Are you working too hard? Are you taking time in your day to stop? Just breathe. Are you exercising? We know that the endorphins you feel from exercising can cure a lot of the stress and anxiety. Am I eating well? What we eat often affects how we feel. She also talks about how if we're stressed or anxious, we literally carry that stress and tension in our body. We need to pay compassionate attention to our body. The second thing we do, we put language to how we are feeling. There's this idea in psychology that's called name it to tame it. It shows that taking a moment to name what we are experiencing has been shown to integrate the right and left hemisphere in our brains and calm down the firing in our limbic system. And this is just a scientific way of saying simply putting language to how we are feeling can make us feel better and give us the framework for how to address it. In a lot of elementary schools, they've started to start their days by the kids will walk in and they'll take their name tag and put it in what's called regulation zones. So there's four zones. One of the zones is a red zone. So you put your name in that zone if you're feeling angry, upset, irritated. There's a yellow zone. You put your name in that zone if you're feeling tired or nervous or stressed out. There's a blue zone. You put your name in that bin if you're feeling uh, just uh, upset or sad or down, and there's a green zone, you put that in if you're feeling happy or excited. And it's just a simple way for kids to experience and to express how they're feeling and then how to manage their stress. And it's really simple, but I feel like we need moments like this, and how beneficial would it be for us if we took the time to stop and evaluate what and how we're feeling. For a more mature way to claim it and tame it, you can search something called the emotional wheel. It's online. And it's a way to just identify your emotions and come to terms with how you're feeling and ultimately become more self-aware and self-compassionate. Again, we see with David just how in tune he was with his emotions and the language that he had to bring it to God in such a clear way. And that leads us to our third point. Third, we surrender to the source. So if we find ourselves in an emotionally unhealthy state, we need to bring that to God. We need to come to the one who created our emotions and feelings, the one who created us and knows how to best deal with those things. And we need to surrender to him. We need to stop. We need to rest. We need to take time in our day to get into the word, spend time in reflection, spend time in prayer, spend time to just stop from the distractions, to turn off our phone, to get away and just sit with God and ask, what am I feeling? 
why am I feeling this? And then surrender that over to him. One of my favorite verses is 1 Peter 5.7. It says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And I love this verse because it doesn't say anxiety is a sin. I think we all experience anxiety in some shape or form. But we're called to surrender it over to God because we by ourselves cannot do anything about it. The word cast in Greek means literally to throw. God wants us to throw our anxiety on him. He says, I want it. Just throw it on me. Because the less we are weighed down by the burdens of this world, the more we can experience the freedom that he offers. We all carry around weight in our lives that we are never meant to carry. We have these burdens in our life that God wants us to surrender and to throw on him. For me, I carry around the weight of perfection, of approval of others, of just this need to be approved. And I sometimes project that on my relationship with God. I want him to approve me and to be proud of me. And so I'll pray for a few minutes in the morning and ask God, are you proud of me? I'll read my Bible for a few minutes in the morning. I'll say, what about now, God, are you proud of me? I'll share the gospel with someone and ask God, are you proud of me? But the moments where I've experienced God's biggest pleasure and delight and approval are my moments in darkness, in my weakness. God does not tell me he's proud of me when I'm boasting in my spiritual accomplishments. He tells me he's proud of me in my sin, in my struggle, in my regret, in my hurt, in my brokenness. It's in these moments of surrender that God tells me it's okay to be weak. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. It's okay to feel lost because I've come to rescue and save you. I've left the 99 for you. It's okay to feel insufficient because I have come that you may have life and have it with abundance. And Jesus didn't die on the cross so that we would white-knuckle our way through lives. He died on the cross so that we could enjoy the freedom to feel and the freedom of surrender. And so some, for some of you, surrendering to God means seeking professional help with what's going on in your mental and emotional health. You know, unfortunately, so often in the church, negative emotions such as fear, anger, and depression are stigmatized as inappropriate because, you know, God is love and you should overcome these things. But our, our spiritual songbook of Psalms isn't filled with 150 hymns of joy and of peace and of gladness. So much of what we read in Psalms is what we read earlier. It's heartbreak. It's pain. It's the author bringing their hurt to the foot of the cross and saying, God, there's something not right. There's so many of those songs in Psalms versus songs of joy. And so mental and emotional health struggles are not sin. They're not indicative of a lack of faith. Our minds, like our bodies, experience brokenness. And sometimes God wants us to experience his common mercies of grace through the means of professional counseling or sometimes medication. So how are you personally? How are you coping? You know, we all experience hurt, trauma, pain, exhaustion, disappointment. What are you doing with those emotions that stir in your heart as a result? Are you escaping from them? Are you projecting them onto others? Are they controlling you? For me personally, I got sick of driving 55 miles per hour on the freeway every single day. And so at the time, uh, I finally ran out the chain. I did something about it, and I got a new car. Uh, they gave me a Ford Escape, and I found out that there was more to life than just driving 55 miles per hour. There's freedom and being able to experience so much more than what I was experiencing before. 
And that's what my personal journey looked like about 18 minutes ago when I really embraced and leaned into the idea of emotional health. I put off my old self, which tended to ignore these emotions, which tended to ignore what was wrong with me, and I put on my new self, surrendering to God and seeking after him in these moments. And there was freedom of letting go of something that was holding me back, and I was experiencing life in a brand new way, pursuing emotional health, pursuing wholeness, and that's what God wants for you too. So let's see how David ended up. Remember earlier, crying on his bed? Well, this is a few chapters later, Psalm 30, verses 11 through 12. It says, You turn my wailing into dancing. You remove my sackcloth and clothe me with joy, that my heart may sing to you and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give you thanks forever. You see the transformation here? You see the shift in David's emotions? I love this because it shows that we serve a God who restores. We serve a God who heals, who takes anger, doubt, isolation, whatever emotion that we're feeling and weighing us down and recycles that into beauty and joy. God turns mourning into dancing, beauty to ashes, shame into glory. It's the beauty of the gospel. You know, Jesus didn't choose to leave us in our sin and our brokenness but he climbed up on the cross, died a death we deserved, and gave us new life. He recycled our sin, our death, our brokenness, and turned it into something beautiful. He turned it into salvation. And it's at the foot of the cross where we find healing. It's at the foot of the cross where we find redemption. It's where we find freedom. And if Jesus can take something as brutal and violent as death on the cross and recycle it into the greatest symbol of love that we've ever experienced, he can do the same for your life as well. So I want to invite you here tonight to come to the foot of the cross. There's a path towards freedom. There's an invitation from your heavenly Father towards life. Will you accept that invitation by paying compassionate attention to your body, by putting language to the emotions you're feeling, and to surrender to the source. We have a God who loves and cares for us. He wants your anxiety. He wants your stress. He wants your pain. Will you throw it on him? We're going to do a few more songs. And so I just want to invite you here tonight to express it in any way you feel like you want to. You can spread out if you want. But... We looked at two psalms earlier. We looked at Psalm 6, which was a song of lament, heartache, disappointment. Maybe that's the song you're experiencing right now in life. I want to give you permission here tonight to sing that song during worship, to express that, to lay your pain, your hurt, your grief at the foot of the cross and invite Jesus in to rescue, redeem, to save, and to transform that into peace, joy, and life. Maybe you're more like David in Psalm 30. Things are going really well. You're experiencing celebration, joy. I want you to express that as well during these next few songs. However you feel led, we want to give spirit room to move here tonight in these next few songs. It's an invitation into life, into freedom. Jesus has overcome so that we can overcome. He's inviting us into it. Will you say yes to that invitation? We pray with me. 
God, we love you. We thank you that you are a God who restores, who heals, who brings life out of brokenness. We pray that wherever this message landed with people tonight, that you would give them the boldness and the courage to dig down deep. Sometimes we have to dig to get to our treasure, God. But when we dig into the, our soul, we will meet you there. You will meet us there, God. Speak to us. Give us life. Give us hope. Give us love. We trust you with that, God. Help us surrender to you. In Jesus' name, amen.